She was huddled in the park in the dark and she was freezing and begged to come here over here oh god Adelaide, i know you i'm shivering she's been living on the street we need some heat i'm shivering Colin's a call for a doctor honey don't waste your money on me 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 911 i'm on hold cold would you light my candle Yes, well, oh God. Find a candle. I should tell you Benny wasn't any. I know. I should tell you why I left. It wasn't cause I didn't. I know. I should tell you. I should tell you. I should tell you. And... One woman performance of Rent, I promised some friends that I could and would and was doing it a Sunday night, and that's what was happening in my apartment. You may have listened for the past 11 weeks and thought you were going to be free of things like musical theater. You're not. And I'm also going to start incorporating 90s rock because 90s alternative is life. Um, I'll be a third eye blind fan until the day I die. And <laughs> what are you gonna do about it? What you what you gonna do about it? Hello, cake and kombucha heads, kombuchas. That doesn't work, but I'm gonna work on it, and I'll get back to you with some sort of nickname, some sort of navy-ish type thing that works out. I am your host. Before we get too deep in it. I'm your host, Kalechi Azie, and Cake and Kombucha is a place where we talk about whatever weird things are going on in the news this week, random things that come into my head because I'm a weirdo, stuff like that. Whatever news we delve into will be explained to the best of my ability with as much context or as little context as I'm able to provide at that moment. I do suggest if you're seeking investigative journalism, you follow it up with some NPR afterwards. But I have, you know, I have Google at my fingertips and I will share with you things that I have observed. You'll get your cake and you'll get your kombucha and you'll like it both. You'll get some ASMR of me drinking kombucha. I tried to drink loudly. I don't know if drinking is loud. I guess if I really want to do ASMR, I'll have to, I'll have to eat some. Janet Jackson had no idea what hot Cheetos were, and I aspire to be that disconnected one day in my life that I just don't know what like basic consumer snack foods on the grocery store shelf are because it's been so long since I've gone to the grocery store. That's goals. It's amazing. Anyway, until then, I shall be using Instacart. Just kidding. I don't really use Instacart. Um, I, I like grocery shopping, sort of. I just don't like the people there. Anyway, let's get into the next story. I have a message from the supposed president of our United States of America. In the beautiful Midwest, wind chill temperatures are reaching minus 60 degrees, the coldest ever recorded. In coming days, expect it to get even colder. People can't last outside even for minutes. What the hell is going on with global warming? Please come back fast. We need you. Okay, um, so I'm, I don't want to be condescending because it's not like everyone has to remember the, the scientific you know, process that is global warming right now and what goes into that, but here's the thing. I just feel like generally in life, it's good to not assume that you know everything about a concept by just like the title of it. And this is someone who is making legislation about this topic and he doesn't understand it. But moreover, you could just, I don't know why he knows how to use Twitter, but he doesn't know how to use Google. I'm going to type in global warming right now, live on the air. And see if we can find 
you know, an explanation. Global warming is a long-term rise in the average temperature of the Earth's climate system, an aspect of climate change shown by temperature measurements and by multiple effects of the warming. That was just the thing, the little, like, Wikipedia blurb you see before you click on the whole thing. So if you don't want to go any deeper than that, the fact that it's average about climate, when climate is long-term, it's not weather, like your daily weather, that is, I saw a CNN scientist say, like, it's called global warming, not where you live warming. Like, e.g., like, for example, if you looked at Australia right now, they're having, like, crazy droughts. And, I mean, pretty much kangaroos are just, like, you know, spontaneously combusting in the bush. It's not, things aren't good. But I, like, remember in the back, the very dark recesses of my mind that they're actually even... Global warming is also responsible for the colder weather because it causes extreme weather. And so it took me two more seconds to Google that. I just typed in like global warming, like colder temperatures. And it's because of the, the polar vortex. Now, I don't know if I'm going to explain this on the air. Um, Science, science, the ocean heat radiates, the sun, uh, the earth's hemisphere... Um, whatever you could read about it. I, I do know that like it's, I did know in the back of my head that that was part of it too, but I just think that like, it's really frightening that he, he like refutes and, and knocks down and derides and makes fun of legislation for a concept and he doesn't know what it is. I mean, I know that we know that he doesn't know things, but like, I continue to be shocked by the the comfort that he has talking and sharing with us about how he doesn't know what he's talking about. It's just, you know, anyway, that's how I wanted to start out the show. Just, you know, in a very negative fashion because like it's super cold here. It's freezing across the Northeast. Schools have been canceled because it's too cold to go outside. And it's just like, these apocalyptic events, to me, like, I think we all know in our hearts that things are changing. Like, it's just getting to be the extreme of things. And anyone who is alive can feel that it's gotten... Okay. I don't... Someone apparently decided instead of lifting up the lid to the trash can, they were going to pretend they were, like, bowling with their garbage and just knock all the trash cans over like pins. But... My apartment is uh, on the first floor. Hey, hey, you're a lot of y'all's business. But anyway, yeah, I don't really understand. Um, I think anyone who can remember the past 10 years, anyone old enough to remember the past year, 10 years can like, you can feel that it's it's been getting hotter and there's just stuff happening that doesn't happen that much. Like things are changing. <sighs> but you know, who believes in science? Okay, so now to one of the biggest news stories of the week. My gay boyfriend has been attacked. He's doing okay. He's in good condition. Um, But Jesse Smollett, for those of you who don't know, I was just watching a video of him dancing and, and doing like his own private music, not on Empire, looking fine, doing amazing, never seen him, you know, booty toot. He was breaking it down. And... I was, you know, getting in fights in the comments, you know, some homophobic girl was like, so y'all girls really over here, like, you know, like turned on by some gay man. All I merely replied was yes, Y-E-S, period. He's fine. I don't, what does his sexuality have to do with the fact that he's fine? He's fine. His whole family's fine. His sister's fine. Like there, I don't understand. Like he's fine and he's adorable. And he's fun to watch. I, I was just, like, disturbed. Like, you really have to know that someone might sleep with you in order to find them attractive. It's like, well, you must not find anyone attractive, girl, because I clicked on your profile picture. So have several seats. That was mean, but it was the truth. Um, yeah, I just, I was just like, that's so stupid. But anyway, I stand for him. And so then I woke up and saw the news that he was attacked. And it's turned into this crazy controversy so far that's so strange. Like... First of all, I was enraged that I saw um, he is attacked in an alleged hate crime and the word noose. If someone puts a noose around your neck, people don't generally walk down the street with rope. 
it's a hate crime. Like, we need to get rid of this whole, like, dumb lingo, racially charged, alleged, alleged, racially charged, possible, like, it's a hate crime if someone ties a noose around your neck. Avi. And so first I was just enraged. But anyway, to go over what happened, he landed in Chicago, um, Empire Shoots in Chicago, and he, oh, who for those of you who, are, who don't know, Jesse Smollett is one of the stars of Empire on Fox, um, the fab show that also features Taraji P. Henson and Terrence Howard about a musical family that are like kind of music kingpins in the recording industry. So he plays, he's openly gay on the show. I mean, he's openly gay in real life and he his character on the show is gay. Um, so allegedly, even, well... See, now I'm saying allegedly. Last week, he received a threat in the mail, so they actually had just decided to up security for the whole cast, but apparently he he's had denied taking extra security around with him just that day, uh, which was yesterday, because he felt like it was a hassle, you know, it impedes you just moving around freely, et cetera, which is easy to understand. So, so that happened. Um, and so apparently what happened was he was attacked by two guys. They put rope around the neck. They poured him with some substance that was maybe bleach. They beat him up pretty bad. And afterwards, uh, first it was reported that they said this is MAGA country, but then later the police reported that Jesse did not tell them that at the initial, um, what do you call it when you go to the police? Uh, I don't know, intake? I don't know. He didn't tell tell them that at first, but then later like they provided a supplemental report where he said they said that. So, boom. That's the synopsis of it. Boom. So, it's already become a conspiracy. People are saying that the whole thing was fake. They are saying that he made it up. Um, Right-wing extremist groups are saying that it's a left-wing conspiracy because, you know, that the guy said MAGA or whatever. And apparently the police, first they had not found any footage of the attack, so people were saying it's fake, and now they are saying that there is footage of the attack. Or not footage of the attack, but they found a person of interest through surveillance video that they want to check out. So it's really interesting because I'm not sure like where the line between my news feed, which is primarily... I mean, definitely, like, I would say, like, 60% black people, 70% black people, and the rest of the world, you know, I don't know about that difference, but I'm seeing this story, like, build and morph and change in my social media circles and stuff, and I'm not sure why we think it's fake. I didn't know that every time you got attacked, it had to be on video. Like, I just, I didn't know that if you didn't conveniently land like, our whole cities are not all under surveillance, Surveillance, I hope. Like, I didn't know that we got to that Hunger Games point yet. But I just didn't know that, like, if something bad didn't happen on camera, it didn't happen. A, number one. B, I guess then I had to start thinking about, like, what if it really was made up? Does that mean he beat himself up? Like, why would someone do that? And then I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? I don't really care. I don't really care if he made it up because how many times do we have white people commit crimes and implicate random black people from that woman, the horrible woman who drove her kids um, off a cliff and said it was a black man that kidnapped them? You know, the woman who drowned her kids. This was like the 90s, the early 90s. Or, you know, recently the cop who shot herself like a dumbass and said that some black dude shot her. And the difference is, when people do those things, they know that police are going to stop and frisk every black person. When's the last time you saw white men being stopped and frisked? When's the last time you saw handsome white men that look like Ted Bundy or crazy-looking white men that look like, you know, the Unabomber stopped and frisked? No, it'll be fine. So, So he implicated people in MAGA hats, you might say. Well, I say, no, y'all implicated yourselves. You did, because the hat means something violent. Stop wearing it places. You suck. I don't care. No, but seriously, I just think it's so strange. It's it's just, I don't even know what that would mean if he did that. It's kind of exciting if he did. Like, oh, you're not only sexy and talented, like, you're truly a weirdo in, like, a really creative way. Like, wow. But, I mean, yeah, like, he... 
did not at least, you know, have a composite sketch that is vague enough that it looks like every other person. And apparently he did not even actually give a race of the attackers um, because they had, you know, their faces covered up or whatever. But I'm like, were they also wearing gloves? Were they just covered up for the winter? So, yeah, I mean, it's weird, but it's not weird enough for me to, like, not wait and just see what happens. I, I, I was unclear about the things that we were poking holes in this quickly. And I think this basically just has to do with the whole Covington thing from last week, which is still kind of unsettled. Um, I think we're all like being just very cautious and protective about people wearing MAGA hats right now, which is a very annoying state to be in because it's a provocative thing to do. And it's like my favorite other podcast other than mine. Well, I have like a, I have a, a list, but like on the read, Kip Fury was like, if you wear a MAGA hat, you're wearing a sign that says, come beat my ass. And I would have to agree with him. I mean, I don't agree with violence, but I also think, you know, aren't we always asking girls why they wore short skirts out and stuff like that if they didn't want the attention? <laughs> I mean, looks like it's time to follow your own advice. But anyway, I really hope that Jesse heals again. Like, if, say, there was some other reason he got beat up, what if he just was trying to kill two birds with one stone. Like say I got my ass beat for some messy personal reason. I might as well try to bring down the evil of the conservative right at the same time. Like you don't need, if I was drinking, you know, lime maritas and fell down the stairs, that's nobody's business but my own. I can say whatever I want. As long as I don't implicate an actual person that's going to lose their job. Sure. Let me implicate a concept. Fuck you concept. Fuck you. Okay, the next story I found pretty outrageous. It takes place in North Carolina at Duke University, and it was in the biostat biostatics. What is that? Okay, it is what I thought. It's like biology and statistics, but when I read it out loud, for some reason, like the word biostatician makes sense to me, but biostatics because. It's like statistics. It's not statics. Okay, anyway, I can't read. Um, so this is a, the director of the graduate biostatics program, and she's trifling, y'all. She's really trifling. Where did the window go? Let me find it. I have so many tabs open. I have like 40 tabs open. Okay, got it. Like a true crackhead, this woman emailed her department. She's an assistant professor and the director of graduate studies. Not for long. About what language they were allowed to speak. So this is a nice follow-up to this MAGA story from before. Hi, all. I had two separate faculty members come to my office today and ask if I had pictures of the MB students. I shared with them, I changed the accent, just go with it. I shared with them the headshots of the first and second year cohorts taken during orientation. Both faculty members picked out a small group of first year students who they observed speaking Chinese, in their words, very loudly in the student study lounge areas. I asked why they were curious about the students' names. Both faculty members replied that they wanted to write down the names so they could remember them if the students ever interviewed for international... What? Why would you cut this off like this? Ever interviewed for an internship or asked to work with them for a master's project. Uh, this part is underlined and in bold. They were disappointed that these students were not taking the opportunity to improve their English and were being so impolite as to have a conversation that not everyone on the floor could understand. To international students, caps lock. Please, please, please keep these unintended consequences in mind when you choose to speak in Chinese in the building. I have no idea how hard it has been and still is for you to come to the U.S. and have to learn a non-native language. As such, I have the utmost respect for what you are doing. That being said, I encourage you to commit to using English 100% of the time when you are in hawk 
or any other professional setting. Copying the second year students as a reminder, given they are currently applying for jobs. Happy to discuss more. Just stop by my office. Megan Neely, assistant professor, director of graduate studies, master of biostatics programs, department of biostatics and bioinformatics, Duke University Medical Center. Bitch. Look, ma'am, you're a hoe. Stop it. And when I say hoe, I just mean that there is no such thing as a hoe. I'm a hoe. You're a hoe. We're all hoes. I mean, if you think the word hoe is insulting, you're a hoe. Whatever the worst word is, you're that word. This is outrageous. First of all, mind your damn business. That's what you need to do. First of all, you need to shut up. That's what you need to do. Second of all, how is it rude to talk in a conversation where other people can't understand? Because she also sent an email two years ago that other people have replied or supplied that have receipts that said it was complaining about people speaking too loudly. It was the same thing. Like, you, why are all speaking Chinese in the kitchen while you're eating? And then she told them they were too loud, which I feel like is also like race shade. But like, you you want them to be quieter, but you want to understand what everyone's saying. So which one is it? Should I project in English so that everyone can be involved in every conversation I had? But you just said it was really rude to be loud. How could you be so rude as to have loud conversations during normal business hours? So which one is it? I'm confused. No, you're confused because you're stupid. Like I cannot... Oh my gosh. Like learning a different language and being in an immersion program. I'm not, it's... I mean, I, I'm not going to say it was hard because I've never been, you know, I was never, I've never emigrated to another country. I did study abroad in France for one summer. I had a grand old time and I spoke English, you know, like we cheated and spoke English to each other too sometimes because your brain just hurts. Like I absorbed so much from just being there, which I know that these students are, but like I... I don't think you need to speak your language all the time. And who are you? Like, what kind of big brother? Like, how can you decide that you know when they're practicing, when they're not, when they need a break, when their brains just need to, like, have a rest? And, like, I, I, I mean, it's it was just old school. It was just... I'm just at a loss. I'm at a loss for words. I don't know where we are in America right now. Like, uh, no, but seriously, just all my faith in institutions has been, okay, I didn't have any faith in institutions. I'm not going to lie. But I will say, I just thought that there was like a certain order to things and that there were some things that it would be obviously in poor taste to do and just not allowed. Like, but we just live in this time where, like, keeping your racism at home just seems to not be an option. Instead, you have to write letters about it in your directorship position and send them to an entire department. Like, do you care about your own future? The fact that you, I mean, what does it mean that she lived in a place where she felt comfortable releasing something like that? I mean, and some people did say, hey, she was just trying to, some people were like, she's making that up. No professors complained. And other people were like, Hey, she's just telling you guys what, you you know, the racist like workforce and job market you're about to enter. So she kind of gave you a heads up. I I would say both. Like she gave you a heads up and she's also, you know, racist herself. But like, it's really shocking. And it kind of relates to kind of relates. I mean, it's pretty much directly correlates to what's his name and what he said about Latinos this week. I'm Broca. That's who he is. Or just old and irrelevant. Like, I don't want to be ageist, but some of these people, you need to have like an intern that's with you at all times to just be like, just no, 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 grandpa. No, can't say that. Nope. Nope. But nope. They're allowed. No. Yeah. They're allowed to, um, eat at this restaurant now. No, you can't. No, grandpa. They have, they can come through the front door. Like you sound crazy. So, he and the he's another example of someone who thinks he doesn't. He thought he was being helpful and he thought he was in good company saying this stuff. So he was in a conversation with Chuck Todd about uh, like the border states and how they, you know, building the wall. And Chuck Todd said the problem is Wyoming and in South Dakota, they think they need a wall. And in Texas and Arizona, they don't. And uh, Brokaw was talking about like how there's a fear of racial mixing and being having a majority minority nation, which we can get to in a moment, but is 
absolute facts. It's the only issue that anyone has with immigration because you don't care about the Russian people that are going on vacation to Florida in like vacation curated packages to have babies. They're having birth vacations to make American citizens. And like, it's just reported like it's like this weird thing. Okay. But anyway, he said, he said, when I push people a little harder, they say, well, I don't know whether I want brown grandbabies because grandbabies are just like, I don't know. It's like picking paint for your living room, I guess. You just, you're like, I don't know if I should do after rain or as your ocean. Like, it's just, I can't decide what color grandbaby I want. And it really keeps me up. <laughs> Idiots. Um, but he's then he broke off to offer his own commentary saying, I also happen to believe that the Hispanics... Just anytime you have to say the Hispanics, your intern has to be like, Grandpa, no, Grandpa, Grandpa, no, you don't just say the, 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 the Hispanics, the Jews. Like, stop it. So he said, I also happen to believe that the Hispanics should work harder at assimilation. That's one of the things I've been saying for a long time, you know, that they ought not to be just codified in their communities, but make sure that all their kids are learning to speak English and that they feel comfortable in both communities. Now, and he said, he did say that's going to take outreach on both sides, which is how people talk who think they're saying something. That's fair and sensible who have no idea what they're talking about. How are you going to feel comfortable in a community where people don't want brown grandbabies? Like in the same breath that you say that people are scared of racial mixing and literally don't want you around because of the possibility that you might have children that come out a beautiful Dolce de Leche color and that's a horrifying idea. Uh, children with their children. You just, you just, you just acknowledge that people hate you, people for just being people that are happen to be whatever ethnicity they are. And then at the same time, you told that group they need to try harder to be invited to the cocktail parties. Like, do you see the problem here? And this is what happens when we equiv we equivocate racism with just anything else. Like we never start things out with a level playing field and we start telling the brown and black people and Asian people and everybody else like what they should do to make it better. Why don't you do something to make it better, grandpa? But let's go to the assimilation part because it's just so annoying. Like they need to work harder. They need to make sure they're learning English. Okay. First of all, the younger generation of, you know, immigrants can usually speak English better than any native-born American, and they speak a bunch of other languages as well. Secondly, this myth that Americans are good at speaking English is, it needs to be shot down. I mean, we live in a world where I grew up getting made fun of people telling me why you read thick books and why do you talk this way and talk that way. I mean, when you get on the interwebs, you can see that people can't read and write. And for some of us, it's not, it's not, you know, for the president, I blame him. He's had lots of chances to learn. But for other people, like, we have one of the worst education systems of any, any first world country. What's our literacy? Liter, literacy? See, I'm illiterate. Literacy rate, American literacy. I'm Googling it right now because I don't think... It's high. Uh, okay. 21% of adults in the U.S. read below a fifth grade level. And 19% of high school graduates can't read. So then, you know, what are, what's the standard then? Like, I, and I've thought about this before. Like, sometimes, like, when you go to another country and you, you know, if you go to an immersion program, how do you know you're learning the language from people who, who speak the language well? Like, I wonder, like, you know, when you're reading internet comments or, like, I'll try to read stuff in French sometimes and, like, understand it. And I'm like, am I getting, am I learning grammar correctly? Like, I don't, how do you even know in another language when you're learning slang and when you're learning grammar? So, or good grammar. So it's just, like, an interesting thing that I thought about, like, how would you know? But really, I just don't. 
I don't. I don't get it. And like, he, you know, just don't, you know, don't stay in your community and be codified. I mean, so should white people just pick up and move and just make sure that like every, you know, one house is a white person, one house is a black person, one house is a brown person, like a tiramisu cake or something like checkers. I, I don't, that's not historically what has happened. If you look at the way cities have been built in America, which were literally, you know, communities were literally built so that white people could leave and have better conditions. So I don't understand why people as old as him say things that are so unfounded. And then you go over and turn around and say, give an apology that's just about like, I've always championed, I love tacos, carne asada, carnitas, sope. I eat all of the guacamole. And for anyone to think that I don't like Mexican food, it is outrageous that's what i heard when he apologized do you want to receive things in the mail do you pretty much have everything you need already and live a life rich in material goods do you have no real need for a stranger who doesn't know you to curate a box of miniature versions of things you'd most likely use the full-size version of anyway do you just want to feel relevant you need a monthly subscription to box This highly nonspecific, random box will come to your home or office once a month. It's of the highest quality cardboard craftsmanship and has a punchy label. Everyone will be jealous you have the disposable income and common sense to subscribe to a heavy box. What's inside? Doesn't matter. Maybe nothing. But now you have a box. Isn't life better when you have a box to look forward to? Sorry, excuse me. I think my box is here. Okay, so this next story I have is mucho bizarro to use anti-assimilationist Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. Um, it's it's about a woman who took the wrong man off of life support. So a hospital in the Bronx told this woman that her hus- her brother was dying and she needed to come decide whether to take him off of life support. Um, He was unconscious with brain damage after having a drug overdose. So she went, she saw a man who was very beat up. He had a tube in his mouth. um, And another sibling arrived and said, raised doubts about whether some error had been made. Uh, She walked in the room and said, that's not my brother, but apparently the man's facial features were similar enough that the family decided it couldn't be a mistake. So they decided to move the man off, remove the man from life support. And then about a month later, the medical examiner, the city's medical examiner, discovered that it was someone else. Her brother apparently had been locked up in Rikers for two weeks for a, a misdemeanor assault, which I... How do you end up in Rikers for a misdemeanor? If, if anyone knows, write in and tell me. I guess I watched too much TV, but I just thought that it was supposed to be for more serious things than that. But anyway, in those two weeks of not communicating, because they did usually communicate regularly, which means, dang, he didn't even get a phone call. There's a whole other case going on underneath this case. But in those two weeks, enough time had passed for her to think something bad had happened to him. So that also contributed to, you know, the two weeks of not communicating with someone that you talk to a lot. You know, if, if I didn't talk to my sisters for two weeks, for like five days, they, for like three days, they'd be missing. They'd be missing person. So that part wasn't hard, hard to imagine for me. But the crazy thing is about the legalese that the hospital is able to hide behind after the fact. So her brother's name was Frederick Williams. The other guy's name is Freddie Williams. So they had different names and they had different social security numbers. So the mistake really shouldn't have happened. But when she, when her lawyer called the hospital, the medical or the medical examiner's office, they, they would not tell her anything about the man who died because they said that it wasn't her brother So they couldn't give her medical information about him. So they told her that someone was her brother and let her take this man off of life support, you know, misidentifying him, robbing his real family of the opportunity to say goodbye to him or manage his care differently or anything like that. 
now that she's trying to sue for like the trauma and distress that it caused her for unknowingly giving like approval to take someone's life, she she's they're telling her that she doesn't get to even like know enough information to to support her claim because it's not her business because it's not her brother. So I made a mistake by telling you that caused all this craziness. But because I made that mistake, you can't, like, seek any damages about this. They said they think her claim is without merit, and now she's even having, you know, problems in her relationship with her brother. Her brother's like, you were going to kill me? And she's like, they explained to me that brain dead was such and such. So, I mean, can you imagine, like, making the, the choice about life support about someone, and then they are alive afterwards to be like, you made the wrong choice. How dare you? The whole thing is a mess. It's, it's polar vortexing right now. Okay, so I just want to get these, these last stories to you before it's too late. This, this just in. It's cold. It's fucking cold. Okay. If I had a found footage podcast, that's how it would sound because it really is that cold. Like it feels like negative 10 outside and inside. So anyway, um, to wrap up before we go, I didn't watch much reality TV this week, but I was, I listened to two entire podcasts, like consumed a lot of media, of the audio, the audio persuasion, and, um, they were super disturbing. Uh, one was about the heart, the family of the two lesbians, the lesbian married couple that, uh, were family annihilators. They killed their entire family of six adopted black children, um, took them over a cliff with them, drove off a cliff. And the other one was about Dr. Larry Nassar, the Olympic doctor at the University of Michigan, who, sorry, Michigan, let me not slander University of Michigan, Michigan State University, who abused hundreds of girls. And a couple things to say about both. I mean, they just, it really is just reminding me of how good it is to be skeptical of everything and to question authority and to question structures. And that when we don't, we kind of, I mean, apart from all the sex, sexist dynamics and the horrible racial dynamics of the, the heart case, the under one underlying thing that came up was just like how much, you know, institutions that were set up completely failed everyone in every way from the police to university, to social services system. And I mean, it was very fascinating. That was one thing that the stories had in common with each other. But I mean, with Dr. Nasser, he, it, you, you need, it's disgust. Like it is disgusting to listen to and the lives he ruined, but the way that he did it, abusing girls with their parents in the room, grooming entire families so that families were ripped apart because parents thought, well, how could he be doing something he's not supposed to be doing while I'm in the room? But he was. But one of the parts that made me the most angry of the whole thing was the epilogue, because it's like you have a predator who's clearly some sort of wild sociopath. I mean, this man was so beyond the pale evil that he went and told, you know, a family that of the, the family of a girl who had accused him he went and lectured them and said, you know, if anyone touches you badly, you know, that's not good. That shouldn't happen. You know, he is, he was just, but the, the Dean of MSU told one of the survivors after they had already been granted their plea deal to be able to read their witness statements to Dr. Nasser at this, to Larry Nasser at the sentencing, the president said like, was it the president? No, there was a dean that was dismissed for sexually harassing a girl. And this is a dean that had protected the doctor. And the dean, like, smacked a girl, alleged that he smacked her on the butt. And other, like, more multiple people had complained, same scenario. And the president was like, well, you know, so he just tapped her on the butt. I mean, the fact that Michigan did not investigate this and no one else said anything 
I literally was listening to it like, no, nope, nope. The school needs to be closed. Like, the school needs to be shut down. Like, it, it was just a really fascinating, you know, look at how a miscarriage of justice or even justice, a carriage of justice, like, it is not just justice that he went to jail. And there's there's so many other things that haven't changed from, you know, institutions, you know, people seeing something as a one-time thing. And that doesn't mean that they're going to get better or institute any, you know, systems to prevent something like that happening again, which is what those victims are dealing with now. And the victims had this pressure because they did get a conviction to act like everything is okay, to have their pain be neatly tied up in a bow and just kind of be like role models. And then like there were a lot of girls, you know, it's the Midwest and people were very religious. And, you know, one victim said, Every single, you know, religious outlet that I read about talked about the power of forgiveness. None of them talked about um, justice. And you know I can't quote, quote scripture by heart. But she, she quoted the, the verse that was about protecting the children. But, like, why do we not care about protecting the children? And it's just really, it was just so interesting. Um uh, the police, I don't even, ooh, they're just so we all know, Olivia Benson is not going to be there at the station waiting for you. No, that's not what happened. This guy, the doctor, was able to go in there and when a girl would be like, he pe- digitally penetrated me with no gloves on in my, you know, because my ankle was broken, they'd be like, he would go- give a PowerPoint presentation and attach it to his statement. I mean, he was investigated over and over again oh, for years. And he would be his own uh, witness. I mean, it's not a witness when it's just like an investigation, but what I mean is he would give a statement as a doctor and they would take his statement because he was a doctor and not check it with anyone else. And if they had checked it with anyone else, they would have found out he was bullshitting. This is the kind of research and investigation that's being done. So I'm just saying, like, please have a healthy dose of skepticism about everyone and everything. I mean, I'm someone who wasn't allowed to go to sleepovers growing up because my mom was like, nope, child molesters are everywhere. They seem like nice people. Like, I mean, it's just, I, I like, I'm not saying you should be paranoid, but I'm just saying like, you don't, just because someone's a nice person, it seems like they're a nice person. It doesn't mean there, you don't really know anybody. That's what I'm saying. You don't know anyone. You don't know them. You don't know yourself. Be scared. That is what I'm saying, sort of. And then the other story, I was kind of liking the podcast, although it was one of those things where you attempt to be self-aware, but it doesn't really explain it. So it's like that the whole issue of this family, the Hart family, that that's, I don't know if you remember the picture of the boy who went viral, who had a sign around his neck, the black boy that had a sign around his neck that said free hugs and was crying, holding a, uh, hugging a cop. And of course, it's very, there's a huge divide in how people saw this picture. A lot of white liberals and people like that that I saw online were saying it was touching. I thought it was disgusting and horrifying. Like, I was like, what is this crazy staged incident? Sadly, it turns out that people who thought the way I was thinking turned out to be correct about what was going on. But this, this couple, they had foster children over the years and they adopted these six black children and they used them as these, these mascots. They had an entire Facebook propaganda about how wonderful their lives were, how perfect their lives were. And it was just so creepy. Like even to the point of like someone pointed out after the fact that there was a picture of them like painting outside like setting up canvases and painting, but like there was no paint on their paintbrushes. That's how staged it was. As it turns out, the the women were abusing these children. You know, there was an incident, the podcast starts out with an incident where the 14-year-old the girl has jumped out the second story window of her house and ran to the neighbor's house next door to beg them to take her in and said that she was being abused. And the neighbors didn't want to say anything. The, the father, bless him, who's 80 years old, was like, I can't stop thinking about this girl and what happened. But his uh, his daughter, his daughter's husband forbade her from saying anything. And it, the podcast starts out with a lot of assumptions, things like, 
you know, I like most people, you don't want to get in their business. And I'm like, no, that's actually culturally not. That's that's very specific. And where I come from, like, it's a community. It takes a village. And, like, you know, people will tell you what's going on with your kid outside. And you might not like it. You might not want to hear it. But, like, no, we're not just like, hmm, well, that kid's being put in a box at night and starved. <sighs> I don't want to get into it. Like, actually, no. So that was, they kept just kind of explaining away all of the bad behavior in the podcast, including the mothers. And it was very confusing because they had multiple CPS charges. They were starving these children, giving them strange, abusive punishments. I mean, even the optics of the the free hug thing just made my skin crawl. It was disgusting. Like this black child is not just th- that his body wasn't his own, that you were letting all these people touch him and creating this false persona of like being a social justice warrior at the end. So they had built up this, this story about how they were ostracized from being lesbians in the Midwest, you know, in the nineties. And then the, the, the deceased woman's, uh, one of the deceased women's brother releases a statement saying, just so you know, I'm openly gay. My family accepts, accepted both of us and this is not the reason that we were strange like we were estranged from her so she created a lie about her family I mean kind of classic like sociopath stuff and yet at the end of the podcast they start talking they 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 invite someone on a psychologist who studied female serial killers etc etc and then they are it is inconclusive that the woman is evil I mean, it's about mental health, mental health, mental health, just like just like the school shooters. We are somehow you've brought in these experts to give us balanced views of how a woman abused her children who jumped out of a window, ran next door, saying, by the way, they're racist, they're racist, get me away from them, tortured them, starved them. She rationed their food. They looked malnourished. That did get CPS called. Um, Finally, some neighbors stepped in about that. They would, she would see, neighbors would see that they would eat up all the neighbor's food when the moms weren't there. When the moms came, they wouldn't eat anything. And then she, when it, when it came down to the time where CPS had visited again with the shame or whatever, fear of not wanting to go to jail, this woman kills her and herself and her entire family. And you're not sure if she's bad. They literally said she loved her kids and she killed them. It's a conundrum. What? I didn't hear anything that sounded like love the entire eight episodes. I was so lost, man. I was thought I was listening to some. It was just, oh, I was just, wow. Like, it's it's just fascinating how people try to write past their biases and, like, address them, but you you actually can't. I, I don't know why. Uh, that did not need to be tied up in that kind of bow for me. This is, this is a Cosmopolitan magazine, Cosmo Magazine's podcast called breaking hearts or lonely hearts or sad hearts or something like that but I was angry I didn't listen to the last eight minutes it just made me mad and confused all right kids that's it it's a polar vortex I gotta get out of here I gotta go um thank you so much for listening this is cake and kombucha you know what it is you know where you are tune in next week I need some listener comments from you some questions some contributions so hit me up on Twitter at Kelezie, me, or Kelezie on Instagram. That's K-E-L-E-Z-I-E. Email, if you want to be old school, email cakeandkombucha at gmail.com. And most importantly, subscribe! 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 Cake and Kombucha is produced by Kelezie. In my rumbly, rumbly Harlem apartment. It features music by Melanie J.B. Charles. If you like what you hear, hit up MelanieJBCharles.com and check her out on Spotify.